Okay, so we're recording. Because um, we fucked it up yep, so bad last time. I'm going to count down from five this time. And uh, hopefully by one, we can all be <laughs> kind of tuned in. Five, four, four three, 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 two, two, two one. 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 Okay, that was awful again. <laughs> Touch me when you're going to talk. This is season two, episode two, crime. Back up and running. It's episode. This is crazy. It's season two, episode two, but it's actually our twentieth episode. And wow. uh, I somehow, I, crazy, eh? Somehow, to me, I I thought we'd make a bigger splash out of twenty, but I think twenty-five should be sort of like the nostalgia the nostalgia i don't know some something or other well maybe we would have made a bigger splash out of 20 if you had told anybody that it was the 20th before you <laughs> jumped in the pool to make a splash i just looked at it but now that we've switched kind of switched over to season two episode two i don't know anyways it's number 20 we're going to talk about crime in a couple of minutes first we got to check back on a couple uh, of the other pods first of all fellas this blew me away i was just checking our stats less i don't know if you've been on this but uh we are at 3,265 all-time downloads. Wow, that's insane. Wow. It wow. just seems crazy to me. And, yeah. and we sort of had a break between summertime and now, and the numbers have still been creeping up. Like, people are finding us and people are listening. So, I mean, big thank you to whoever those people are. And uh, I think in the YouTube world, 3,200 isn't maybe a giant number. It's not 10,000. It's not a million. Right. But to me, the fact that we have 3,000 all-time listens or more, <laughs> that's pretty cool to me. I, I really like yeah. it. So, It must be pushed by the Thompson Citizen. I'm going to have to send Ian Graham a bottle of scotch for Christmas. It's weird. <laughs> exactly. It's way weird. The last two episodes, so they kind of came out as a double episode. We had charity and Thanksgiving. We have some unfinished business from that one. George, you texted me. You mentioned it in the pod. Uh, your one and only ever fight. You asked if Marnie was there. Yes. I asked her, and at first she said no. Uh, then Steve, do you remember her being there? I do. I remember her and Catherine Nazer being there, yes. Yeah. So after she came without even me telling you that, and she kind of came back to me and just said, I might have been there. There's sort of a three year blank spot for her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's around the time yeah. where she was making a decision to spend the rest of her life with you. <laughs> she has, she's blunted those memories out. Yeah. <laughs> I went back into my archives. There's no question she was there. And I fought over Catherine. George punched a girl at the Montcalm. Yeah. I fought over yeah, her. I was, I was <laughs> right there. I was, I saw the whole thing happen. Hold on. What do you, what do you mean you went back into your archives? What the hell does that mean? <laughs> Somewhere in your brain or what? <laughs> you, you looked it up in your yeah. files? That sounds creepy. <laughs> that was before smartphones, dude. Memory files. I'm like oh. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So whatever your files are, George, hypnosis or you woke up from a bad dream, I guess we're going to say that Marnie was there and by all accounts, you won the fight. She'll give you that. All around me are familiar faces, worn out places, worn out faces. 
Here's the disclaimer. This is going to be a little unprofessional. There's going to be some swearing. Some place between a locker room and a church gathering, nothing we'd be embarrassed to play for our kids or our parents. That's kind of the zone. If you can live with that, thanks for coming along. If not, thanks for giving it a try. Four friends trapped in a virtual living room by a virtual snowstorm. This is the Snow Day Podcast with Dr. George Alvarez. Whereas I grew up Catholic and no one gives a shit that I'm not a practicing Catholic. The core leader, Stephen DeGroote. Now, is he referring to like the Portuguese mafia? Like, is this, maybe it's Roy Lima is keeping everybody safe? Entrepreneur and Guy's son, Leslie Hansen. When you rank based on violent crime, Thompson is actually number one. Highest rate of violent crime in all of Canada. And me, I'm Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. Here's a little name drop. Erica M., when she dropped us off, almost wouldn't let us out of the car. Let's jump into the check-in. Steve, you got to go first because the, la- the last we heard from you, you were on the roads, sounding like you were in a helicopter in Vietnam, uh, seemingly going the wrong way. So tell us about that night and uh, where have your travels taken you since we last talked to you, man? Yeah, uh, well, I think since I've seen you, I, I've seen Les, I've seen George. I uh, may have just missed you, Bruce. I was out in um, in Canmore and uh, ended up in Banff as well. I uh, We went a little far. <laughs> Um, I was out staying with Georgie and, um, that weekend that we saw Ricky Mac and Shaney, uh, went out with my really good friend, Sunshine Chen for, it was supposed to be uh, just a couple of hours, but we ended up, I think six hours in the mountains and, uh, it was great. I did not call you from a helicopter in Vietnam, although. I wasn't sure I'm not in cell range at all. And I didn't know about the connection and stuff, but still outside of that. Um, it felt like I'd been napalmed that day with all the introspection, um, but it was good. Yeah, I, I give you a call from the road and tried to <laughs> tried to catch the last few minutes of the uh, the podcast. Um, but I've been uh, I've been across Canada since we've talked last. Uh, been back in Manitoba this week watching Zane play hockey. He's captain of his hockey team again. Uh, Bray's kicking ass in uh, engineer his first year in engineering and uh, just yeah, be doing the proud dad thing and grounded in Winnipeg for about seven whole days. So it's great. That's hilarious because I'm staring seven weeks in Thompson in the face and that feels short to me. So we, we live different <laughs> lives, although I've, I've been bouncing around like crazy. Georgie, you're out in uh, TO right now. You and Les are in his recently fortified uh, office slash studio. Yeah, so I'm doing this podcast very similar to how we did it in the studio, Paint Lake. We're across a desk from each other. He has a shirt on. Last time you didn't have a shirt on and we both had Ryan Coke, so it's slightly different because we're a bit hungover from last night. I'm not proud of the no shirt thing, but hey, it is what it is. <laughs> it, it looked good. It looked good on you. So, uh, yeah, I'm out here for a medical conference and to hang out with Les for a couple of days and then to do a podcast to, I guess, round off the trifecta where I do a podcast with each of you in person. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. you. Well, congratulations. And I had a house warmer for my new house last weekend. And uh, Action Jackson flew out from out of BC. And uh, it was a great time. So those are the two big things since our last uh, podcast. George, you sent us a text or a picture or something or the list of booze you bought for the party. And it was like, <laughs> you could kill people with that. How did you make, how, how much of that did you make your way through? Did Action Jackson uh, clean it up for you? Well, I had to buy a lot of Tahiti treat and Welch's grape oh, oh, oh. to sweeten up the drinks for <laughs> I was wondering who was going to put the black jokes in there. It had to be George. It had to be George. <laughs> I thought I was just going to go with like Diet Coke and soda water. No, I had to go buy like pineapple juice and like super sweet drinks. But Wayne in his typical form was super entertaining uh, to the crowd in my house. He dropped this joke a couple of times where he would look at somebody and they'd be like, oh, how do you know George? Uh, did you grow up with him? He's all, oh, no, no, I live in Calgary and just need a black guy at the party. And he paid me to come. <laughs> he paid me to come to the party. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So it made the white people feel more comfortable. Yeah. Because <laughs> Wayne is so good at making white people he doesn't know feel comfortable. He's <laughs> Lester, you and I had such a near miss there where I almost changed my tickets and caught the Raptors game. And I'm still stinging from that. I can't believe oh, I... Oh, man. I, I just... I screwed that up so bad. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, I have been in Toronto since the last pod. Um, and I'm narrowly missing the trifecta as well, Krantz, because Stevie D was out here last week. Uh, he bought me dinner, which was fantastic. So that was good. We had a good catch up. George is here this weekend and, uh, we went to the Raptor game yesterday afternoon. Oh, so the Raptors, uh, kicked the Knicks ass yesterday, which was good. And, uh, yeah, man, I offered you up the Celtics, which is probably the hottest ticket of the season. Celtics on a Friday night was still not enough to get Krantz uh, to fly through Toronto. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what more I can offer you <laughs> at this point. I feel like I'm out of bullets. All right. <laughs> that's, that's, more, that's more than fair. And, uh, and I know when I saw it was the Celtics, it was even more salt in the wound. I just, I, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, no more to, there's no more to say. I, I, I fucked it up, boys. I fucked it up. That, that's all there is to it. I'm hearing women in the background somewhere, guys. I don't know if that's Les's office or at your place, Bruce. Like you know what? That's and... my house. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll try to get them to uh, tone it down. It's hilarious. So Paige is back for the weekend nice. and her and Caitlin Fennell. So Greg Fennell, who was, you know, in our class and stuff, it's his daughter. They're good buds. And there was a giant party at Baco's last night of all crazy things um, where Rashab Palta, who we talked about, was DJing and it was bananas and Paige got a little carried away. Um, and they're here telling the tales of what happened at Baco's last night. So how's that for a, a zany throwback? Yeah, I'll leave the door open then. I want to hear what happened at Baco's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, as a dad, I don't want to hear what yeah. happened. So I got to close that door right away. Right. Another trifecta to try to reach. Uh, Bruce was offered tickets. Georgie went to a game. Uh, I, there's one person left, uh, so I can't wait to get on. Oh. <laughs> uh, Steve, are you? Was that a Steve DeGroote wine? No, no, I, I just is that what that was? <laughs> no, it was. It was just emphasi- hey. it was just emphasizing try in trifecta. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If you're if you're a wise man, yeah, uh, check the schedule. As you're plotting out the next few months of your life and your trips to Toronto, you'll take a peek at the Raptors. Schedule. All right, I'll be on it. I'll be on it. <laughs> I'll get you. I'll get you to a game this year, man. Yeah, I know. I know you. Would. I'm just. I'm just taking the piss out of you. Um, my, my little uh, 
run around the world, boys. I was Steve in such a local kind of a way. It cracked me up. So I did a whole bunch of travel between the middle of September and now, but I went to like Flint Flon twice, the Paw once, and Winnipeg. So there's, it's not Halifax, <laughs> Calgary, Toronto, but uh, actually I've been bouncing around a lot. One of the, one of the big ones for me, and you guys kind of know about this in a, a little bit more serious vein, I guess my grandmother passed away and we were down in, in Steinbach for the past weekend. She was, I mean, what an amazing story. I think George, you nailed it when we said she was 99 years old, still living at home, uh, passed away in her sleep, which is super sad, but I mean, we could all only hope to end up being 99 years old and, and still living in our house and kind of doing what we want to do. So uh, all the Krenzers got together in Steinbach. We miss her a lot. I got a chance to do the eulogy, which uh, this will crack up. This is not how you want to hear you're going to do the eulogy. The day before when your uncle texts you and says, uh, what do you want me to put beside your name in the program? Should it be family memories, eulogy? <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, relaxing in I, I relaxing ass- in the front row. Is that an option? <laughs> he said, I, I assume your mom mentioned it and, and him and my mom had talked about it and, and they both sort of did the point at each other. Like, oh, <laughs> you didn't tell him. So oh, um, no. in a small way, I kind of saw it coming because I'm sort of the public speaking guy for our family and those kind of things. And so Shannon and I got a chance to sit down at her kitchen table, which was so amazing because that's really where she conducted business. I wouldn't even be surprised if a couple of you guys had come with me to to drop stuff off there and and things all through all through university right and (laughs) and so to be able to go back and sit at the table where we spent so much time with her and and collect some thoughts with Shannon and her son Luke was it was great a couple more days notice might not have been the worst (laughs) thing in the world but uh, (laughs) still it was it was great to get to honor her and and see our family and all all of that I mean that's really that's been the biggest one for me other than than bouncing around a bit and like I said Paige is back here for a week it's weird university has a sort of a reading week week in semester one now so yeah. her and her mm. pals are back for a week so yeah, yeah that's, i couldn't get that either Braden, and, yeah Braden's like all relaxed because he's got reading week and i said it's november so they got an extra reading week. <laughs> so yeah. make that a podcast so, i guess uh our, us old men complaining about how hard we had it in school yeah exactly <laughs> what you needed and you needed another week off you millennials are killing <laughs> yeah. We're talking about crime and violence and how some of that stuff's affected us. A little bit of this came from the podcast about Carrie Brown um, that's been floating around CBC. Some of it came from a McLean's article that I think you tracked down first, Les, but they do this thing every couple of years and Thompson never does well on it. Uh, I think you took a bit of a deep dive into it. So why don't you start us off, Les? I'm going to throw it to you on crime and violent cities. You're in the center of the universe. I'm supposedly safe in the woods, but the numbers don't show that. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a very interesting uh, reversal of what we might think makes sense in terms of I live you know, obviously in the largest urban center in, in Canada, you live in a very remote, calm and quiet place in the wilderness. Um, but yeah, we started talking about this a little while ago because I woke up one morning to a bunch of messages uh, that people had sent me kind of making fun of the fact that McLean's Magazine every year publishes their list of most dangerous places. And their most recent statistics came out a couple of weeks ago. Just for fun, I went through some of these numbers today to, uh, to try to rank the four of our respective cities based on as close as I could come. So I am unearthed. 
you're a nerd less if that was fun. For, if that was if, if that I'm was data, fun for you, I'm a data guy. A nerd. I'm, I'm a data guy for sure. So, Steve, <laughs> the closest I could get to Winnipeg, which surprisingly didn't make the list, the closest I could get to Winnipeg was Selkirk, Manitoba, is the twelfth most dangerous place yeah. in Canada. George, the closest I could get to Calgary was Red Deer, which uh, makes the list at number six, most dangerous place to live in Canada. And lo and behold, our uh, home sweet home, Thompson, Manitoba, number two on the list of Canada's 20 most dangerous places to live in 2019, second only to North Battleford, Saskatchewan. But if you dive a little deeper, um, when you rank based on violent crime, Thompson is actually number one. Highest rate of violent crime in all of Canada in 2018. Wow, that's uh, so inspiring. Uh, Thanks for um, digging that up. Can you bury it again? Surprisingly, <laughs> as, I, as I sit in my, sitting in my office here in downtown Toronto, um, I am safer than all of you fuckers because Toronto is actually... Number 45 on the list. Toronto comes in at number 45. <laughs> Bruce, I don't, know what, uh, I don't know what we do with this, man. It seems crazy. Yeah, it does seem crazy to me. I mean, I don't, I don't feel unsafe walking around. And uh, I mean, we've never kind of clamped down on our kids. We want to believe, I guess, that lots of that is people that know each other, right? It, there's, obviously, there's some gang violence and stuff that's going on around here. It's, it mostly happens downtown. And really, a lot of our lives happen between our house and Paint Lake and Safeway and work, right? It's not like we're kind of hanging around, but at the same time, I don't know if you guys saw this article that just came out. There was a young guy that got killed here a couple of years ago. Nicholas Brophy was his name. Um, and everybody thought that that was kind of gang related, that, you know, he had got mixed up with some wrong characters and the story just came out that it was totally random, that it was kind of a totally almost like an urban legend thing that you hear about um, where they just had to pick somebody up as a gang initiation and and do this terrible deed. And and that happened close to our house where he got picked up walking home from a party. It was right near Giant Tiger. That one, actually, producer Mike and I were, were sitting talking, and that one really kind of rattled us. It was, it was a lot closer to home than just about any of the other violent things that you've talked about, Les. And so I never really felt unsafe until just, just recently. That one kind of rattled me a little bit. At the same time, I kind of have to laugh because the last time we came and saw you in Toronto, Les, we stayed at a beautiful Airbnb, but it was not on a great street. Here's a little name drop. Erica M., when she dropped us off from the hip concert in Hamilton, almost wouldn't let us out of the car because <laughs> of the neighborhood they were dropping us off on. Like there's literally crack dealers sort of on the corner. But it embarrassingly for me, it didn't feel a lot different than home. I didn't really feel scared. Bruce, do you, do you remember what I told you about that neighborhood when you said, hey, it looks a little sketchy around here. Is this dangerous? Do you remember what I told you? I think what you said is you're not in danger of violence, but if you turn your back on your bike for 30 seconds, it'll be good. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. I said, uh, don't turn your back on your belongings. You're going to get ripped off in a second, but you're not going to get, you're not going to get jumped or have any violence in that neighborhood. That's a funny story about Erica M. <laughs> do you have stats on that less you you you're you're assuring bruce with such confidence do you oh, have absolutely. stats absolutely i can you know? i can tell you that the, <laughs> the uh the chance of a violent assault <laughs> happening against bruce is 20 times more likely in thompson than toronto according to statistics canada 20 times right. more likely let me let me throw out a, a few different things we should maybe toss out all of these, the, the rankings are done on a per capita basis. So they do tend to skew a little bit towards smaller locations. 
Um, I think of all of the top 20, which is sort of like their, their highlight list, I guess, towns and small cities are vying to get into the top 20. All of them are under, I would say, like 200,000 population probably. So the numbers definitely skew away from your favor uh, if you live in a, in a smaller area. The other thing I found interesting is um, 49 of the top 59 are in Western Canada in the prairies and a lot in BC, like pretty much every sort of mid-sized interior city in BC that you ever heard of is on this list. And uh, I don't know what that really implies. I have a thought on that. You know, when I took a look at that and read that article a few weeks ago, the thing that occurred to me about vagrancy and being stuck in a small town, uh, feeling trapped, not being able to get out of this town, and then uh, the domestic violence is big on this list. So it, it's, sort of, um, it's sort of bolding something that we've seen as we moved away from Thompson is that small towns, if you grow up and you have a job and you have, you know, you're moving forward, living in a small town is great. But if you move to a small town and you don't have purpose, a job, family, friends, you sort of get caught up in bad parts of society and then that sort of translates into domestic violence and breaking and entering for kids because they don't you know they can't afford to go to do sports so i was wondering if les could comment on that like what the definitions are and what we think about what small towns and violence means because i think that's the interesting part of uh, this talk. yeah george um according to these statistics for violent crime they're including homicide assault sexual assault and firearms related offenses all of those, I guess we would agree, are violent by nature. The, the other thing that's interesting to your point there is I'm noticing here that the rate of impaired driving in Thompson is about six times the national average. So that, that probably lends mm-hmm. itself to what you're saying. In, in smaller, remote locations like that, the incidence of alcohol and drug abuse is probably higher, which you always see going hand in hand with crime in general. Steve, you travel around a lot and your home when you were living in Thompson and even when you go see Adrian is like in the heart of Thompson's uh, action district. So do you feel less safe when you're here than when you're uh, other places in your travels? Uh, You know, it's it's strange. I think we all tried to think about whether we felt safe in Thompson growing up and and what it is now. But um, it's one of those things that... um, yeah, I, I mean, when we grew, we grew up, like George lived on the same street. We like the Northern Inn, the Marymount, like that. The liquor store was there. There was always lots of traffic, always lots of violence, always lots of fights. Um, and I don't see that as much now. So you know, again, I think it's who you're with, when you're with them. You know what's going on. I think that's a really big thing. You know, because when I was working, you know, when I was doing a lot of work with kids that were in gangs, and I think George has got a good point about the youth and domestic violence and stuff but when I was working with those kids so when I wasn't working with them I saw nothing but when I was working with them they were involved in drug deals fights ambushes stealing things and selling them and you know that world exists (laughs) it's active (laughs) you know Um, it's just I think who we choose to be with and what we choose to do when we're out yeah I I think I agree with you. I mean, a few years ago, we had a, a friend who was an undercover RCMP officer, and he would tell us, I mean, not the fine details of what was going on, but just that there was stuff going on and some of the things they were involved with. And you're right. It's like there's a whole nother community happening. It's almost like a Harry Potter world. 
There's there's a whole other world happening right around you, and we just yeah. fortunately for us, we really barely see it. Georgie, do you feel safe in Calgary? Absolutely. Uh, but it's also further to your point of what I do, who I hang out with, what my activities are, what my children are into, my profession, my friends. I feel more, I feel just as safe in Thompson as I ever have. And my parents haven't moved from that street in over 40 years. And as you know, Hemlock's becoming, you know, I joke around with my mother. It looks like Beirut. It's got potholes. The city doesn't, you know, clean <laughs> the streets of snow very effectively there and there's a, a core people that have been there forever but when I go there with my kids I in no way feel unsafe because I'm in the same place I was as a kid I don't go to this sub world that Bruce is referring to where like I'm just not exposed to this you know underbelly of Thompson or underbelly of Calgary or for Toronto for that matter so I don't particularly feel unsafe because I my circles never cross or I, or I certainly go out of my way not to put myself in a compromising position. And uh, when people like us get involved in violent crime, I think it's just pure unluck. Like you, you literally have gone to the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Now he. Now I just have to add. George just said us. Now is he referring to like the Portuguese mafia? Like is this <laughs> maybe it's Roy Lima is keeping everybody safe? I don't know. Maybe someone should look into that. <laughs> I will throw out this, guys, um, because you're talking a little bit about how you feel in Thompson now versus when we were growing up. One of the other interesting stats on this is that the crime rate for Thompson has dramatically increased in the last five years. So they add a stat. Uh, they actually rank all of these cities based on how much their crime rate has gone up. Their violent crime rate has gone up in the past five years. And Thompson is fifth on that list, which means that not only is it one of the highest crime rates, but it's got one of the highest rates of increase in crime in Canada right now as well. So, Bruce, mm -hmm. do you feel less safe in, in Thompson now than when we were young? That's a tough question to ask to answer too, because we're adults now, so we gauge danger very differently than we did when we were kids, right? We think about things through a very, we see things through a very different lens. But do you think it's changed a lot? I really don't feel like it has, and uh, I mean, it is it is unnerving. I was going to say that at the start when you were doing the stats, just that we've been consistently high as a as a violent crime sort of dangerous place. And I mean, if it's one blip and you had a couple bad years, but it's seems like it's been that way for a long time but I don't I don't feel any less safe now um, than I did as a kid or when I first moved back to Thompson and again maybe I'm just oblivious to the whole thing but we don't worry about our kids moving around in town or going out in the evening and stuff like that again I mean we talk to them and we tell them not to yeah. put themselves in a in a dangerous spot but if if Murphy wanted to walk home from one of his friend's house that wasn't totally on the other side of town at one in the morning I probably wouldn't freak out about yeah. that you know yeah, I think what George said is very valid, that um, you can be in and around an area with a lot of crime, but if you don't involve yourself in that, you don't make bad decisions and you kind of steer clear of things, uh, you can keep yourself pretty damn safe. We're almost at the tomato timer, but I want to throw one sort of quick question around to everybody. Uh, I sort of mentioned it at the start. I mean, we we talked, uh, there's a CBC thing about Carrie Brown happening. I encourage people to check out CBC podcasts. It's pretty interesting. Um, it's got its ups and downs. And that was sort of a, a real violent kind of scary incident in our youth. 
The Nicholas Brophy thing happened here that sort of rattled me a bit. But the question, and I'm going to say it doesn't, if there's an incident like that, does it change your life? Do you, you know, clamp down and not let your kids out or anything? Um, for me, not so much less. We had talked about this a bit in summer. You, the, the person in the van that drove into a bunch of pedestrians was actually pretty close mm-hmm. to your house. Um, did that change your, did that change your behaviors? Did that, was it anything more than just seeing it on the news and going, holy man, that sucks. And it was pretty close to home for me. So I'll throw that to everybody, but I'll start with you, Les. I think, you know, there were, there were two pretty bad mass acts of violence, random violence in Toronto this summer. The, the van attack was a couple miles from me, I suppose. Tragic event, obviously. I don't think that had much of an impact on me, but the second one that happened later in the summer, the shooting on the Danforth, that I think did have a bit of an effect. It certainly affected me at the time that it happened because, I mean, George and I were talking about this when he was here, and Steve knows this well. He's in my neighborhood a lot. That was about half a mile from my house, and I was home that night. I heard it. Like, I heard all the sirens going, like, just nuts, ripping up my street. And I had been on that exact street corner with my girlfriend and, and her puppy that, uh, that afternoon, like maybe three or four hours before it happened. And uh, so that gave me a lot of pause. But I don't think it was because it made me feel unsafe in Toronto because I, I never feel unsafe in Toronto. It more gave me pause because it was the first time that I've ever seen one of these sort of mass random acts of violence that made me think, holy shit, it's really easy to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, that I don't think is about even being in a dangerous place. Like that area of Toronto is incredibly safe, warm, loving family neighborhood. And then just, you know, a random act of ridiculousness. And uh, a lot of people are getting injured and killed. And it kind of made me think a lot about just the randomness of life, but it certainly hasn't led me to change my behavior at all. I don't know. I still feel incredibly safe in Toronto, yeah. much safer than you guys. Cause I'm number 45 on this list. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, must, must be, yeah. must be nice. George, you sort of brought this up when we first mentioned crime. One of the things that you threw out was that are we becoming sort of numb to some of these mass shootings and, and those kind of things. So what are your thoughts on this one? Do, do incidents like that, change your behavior? No, not at all. And I'm glad we're bringing up this point about desensitization. I think the stuff that we get on media, on social media, on TV, if people, you know, people who still read papers, I think the stuff that happens south of the border for us, it has sadly made me numb to the amount of violence that our Southern neighbors go through. And if you talk to any of your American friends, it's almost sad that it's not shocking to them anymore, unless it's obscene like children are involved, the numbers are gigantic. So I kind of turn myself off to that a lot. I mean, I make a point of my children not being exposed to that. So then when I send it home to Calgary, I mean, I have no idea how many murders happen in this city. I think it's about 20 a year, Edmonton's a bit more. It is never anywhere near me. And to highlight, I think Les brings up a really good point. When normal people quote unquote get involved in acts of violence it is so random that's what makes me give pause because i've always told you this my job always reminds me how frail life is so i think when this type of violence happens anywhere near you that's what gives me pause it reminds me wow you could just be unlucky and be dead 
and that's the part that's scary, but it doesn't make me feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. Now, does your, uh, your in your job, George, you see some violence and you see, I mean, it, your world is a lot different than ours. Has that numbed you or kind of like what you just mentioned now, has it made you more hypersensitive to, to violence and just, and those kind of things? Uh, no, it just made me more appreciative of moments like this podcast, like Steve and I going out with Warner Bonowski and Alan Hammer, a friend that I've made here, and he brought a new buddy along. I just, it's a little bit cheesy, but it's the carpe diem. You know, I, I appreciate things more. It doesn't make me more scared. 29 homicides in Calgary last year, George. You're number 80, you're number 85 on the list. I have to give up the title. It's actually, uh, apparently Calgary is safer than Toronto. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come live in your basement. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you in your bulletproof glass uh, office there in Toronto? So, I, you know, I, I think what's really important to note, guys, is that the crime that we're afraid of is not going to kill us. This ran, these random acts, since our last podcast, you guys, I didn't even tell you guys this, but I got a call, uh, an automated call from the school division that Zane was in that they went into lockdown. Whoa. And actually, I'm just having, a, like, a, sitting close to George, I just had this emotional reaction because, you know, spending a lot of time with their kids and I've been away from my boys, but my heart stopped, fucking stopped. Like, like I, I can't even imagine. Like, I grabbed the phone. Uh, I was trying to call Christy. I was trying to call Zane. I text Zane, said, are you okay? And I didn't know what to text him because he has anxiety and I didn't know what they knew her. But when he got home, he told me, yeah, they were locked down. They did the behind the desks because some kid was angry and said he was going to school with a gun, right? And this, this is something we have to be so concerned about. Like just being better to people, like, like the anxiety, depression is getting out of control. And these, you know, what we're calling random acts are getting less and less random. <laughs> they're, they're by people that are extremely lonely and angry and have difficulty self-regulating and just want to take their hurt out on other people. So I think sometimes when we talk about these violent cities and domestic, you know, not, not to minimize domestic and, and all this other stuff, but I think we're focusing on the wrong things. The things that are going to kill us are the things that we should be really worried about, but we're not. Wow. That was a shocker. I hope I never get that mm-hmm. call. So uh, as a wrap back to you, Steve, when you hear about stuff like that or when that happened with Zane, are, are you going to change what you do with the boys at all? Are you keeping them in the house? You know, uh, a hard, hard lecture about where, where you could and should go? Or No, you know, I think... It's, it's uh, you know, this might sound very arrogant, but there's a reason why I hug George's kids and kiss their heads and tell them how amazing they are and how when I see Paige and Murphy, uh, how I treat them with respect and love and caring and how I raise my boys to be considerate of other people and to feel cared for. And I think if everybody just did that, if everybody just, right, demonstrated caring and that people are good people, we would have less to worry about, right? So it sounds like a like one of those throw up in your mouth kind of um, answers. But, you know, I, I think if we perseverate on how dangerous things are, we would actually become paralyzed, right? And I think if we just focus on our immediate environment, everybody just goes, well, what can I do to make people feel better and to do better? We started with some hard numbers and some pretty nerdy stuff from you, Les, and we finished with a, a pretty... Uh, a pretty good rap from you, Steve. Some pretty wise words. So as far as I'm concerned, that that's it for crime, boys. Um, hopefully we never see any.
it's time for church chat. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Welcome to Church Chat. I'm the church lady. All right. So my question this time, got to redeem myself from the picnic question, uh, was when was the last time you went to church um, that was not for a wedding or for a funeral? Wow. It's it's a huge one. Do you want to go first or last? I'll go last. Georgie, you got you to gotta start. You talk lots about your mom and the nuns and the priests and stuff. When's the last time you went to church? Yeah, I go to church solely, completely based on guilt. So anytime I'm in Thompson... <laughs> Isn't that the whole basis of religion in general? <laughs> yes. That is the definition of Catholicism. Uh, so I go irregularly regular because anytime I'm in Thompson my mom wants to go to church and I go with her so yeah I've gone like a few times a year all right so when was when was the last time the last time was summer okay okay good just curious do you find it rewarding or do you just go because you're with your mom it makes my mom feel good so it makes me feel good that's more than fair. Lester? My answer is basically exactly the same as George's. The only time I go to church is when I'm in Winnipeg and uh, I go with my mom. She goes most Sundays, I think. She certainly does, like if I'm not in town. Probably mm, year and a half or so since the last time I went with her. I don't go with her all the time like George does. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if I've ever in my life gone to church um, for other than a wedding or funeral and not like with my parents, like when we were young. I don't know. I right. can't think of a time that I ever actually just went to church. So I think, Bruce, that probably implies that no, I don't find it rewarding. Other than I enjoy spending the time with my mother and how proud she is when I uh, when I go with her and how happy it makes her. So, yeah, I'm going to throw this to you and George just before I go because my answer is a lot the same as you guys. But uh, do you have any friends that go to church, like that are that are regular at attendees? Because I, I, I mean, I've got. Maybe one or two, but not really a lot of people in my circle, which doesn't bode well for churches. Do you guys have anybody in your close circle that goes to church every week? I do. Yep. I know a couple of people that go to church regularly. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I work with some people that go that are very devout. But as an interesting side, uh, I've mentioned this guy, Troy, before. He built my first house in Killarney. I played basketball with him when I first came here. And he was a super devout Mormon where he was an elder of his ward and uh, he did the rental of my house recently. And I said, you know, I'm having a housewarming party. You know, I invite you and Cindy, but, you know, Mormons don't drink. And he said, oh, no, no, I gave up that faith. And so I started drinking again. And then he went on this crazy <laughs> tirade of how he felt brainwashed as a child. He was constantly felt uh, that he was guilty, that he wasn't living up to, you know, God's expectations, his parents' expectations, and all the guilt that he lived with. So he just said, I finally stopped the Kool-Aid drinking and I walked away from the Mormon faith and I was blown away because wow. this guy was wow. super legit serious. So that's a story of somebody who's recently walked away from organized religion for all the reasons that I think we should do a podcast on. Super legit um, serious. Isn't that like saying Mormon Mormon? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think I met a Mormon that wasn't a super legit. Uh, like they wouldn't call themselves Mormon. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's a big deal to walk away from the Mormon faith. Oh, it's been serious oh, consequences absolutely. for him. Mm-hmm. Like people won't talk to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Whereas I grew up Catholic and no one gives a shit that I'm not a practicing Catholic. 
Uh, Bruce, do you want to edit that out so uh, George's mom doesn't hear that? Can you just uh, cut that one out? Does your mom listen to the pod? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> so he's no, because I don't go to church regular. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> but, his, but his sister Bonnie will rat him out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's an ultimatum. It's an ultimatum. <laughs> yeah. She'll play the clip for her. <laughs> yeah. Georgie, you started going to church and listen to the snow day. <laughs> Bruce, what about you? Yeah, mine's the same as you guys. I mean, the last time I went to church was in Brandon, probably a couple years ago. Same thing happened to be there on the weekend. Um, I'm with you, Les. Like, I, I like going with my mom because I know it's important to her and uh, I went lots as a kid so it's it's kind of neat to be back there but the last there was probably never ever a time that I went to church without uh, my mom that wasn't a wedding or a funeral right? right so obviously I'm not choosing to do that and not not that I don't see the value in it like I it's done so many great things for my mom and for other people so I, I get it but it's just it's obviously clearly not important important to me uh, right now in my life. The The only other funny one is I, I would be curious to know the numbers uh, for me for how many services I struggled through because oftentimes in university and as a younger person, we went out on Saturday night and then there was a lot of hard services for me. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about physically or like just both hearing the message or like which, which aspect? What made it hard, Bruce? Being hung over? Most... Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. No, being being hungover or tired or whatever, right? Yeah. But uh, most mostly physically, not really the message. But probably I should have been listening to the message, and it would have been a double whammy. You would have been sick emotionally, physically, and spiritually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a different kind of uh, <laughs> the try, the trifecta. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Stevie, you said you'd go last. When's the last time you went to church? Uh, you know, I went, I think uh, I went a couple months ago. <clears throat> Same thing with my mother. I think out of the three of us, I probably came from one of the most church going families because of my father being Christian reform and my mother being Methodist and then um, went over to, you know, Presbyterian. So uh, I go with my mom. I usually go on her birthdays, Easter. Sometimes I'll surprise her and go. You know, just ever since, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in the church and yeah, yeah, I think it's, uh, it had a positive impact on me for sure. Um, but I got to the point where my spirituality did not reside in a, in a small, you know, four walls with some of the most judgmental people I've ever met. Um, so it started to wear on me and, uh, but yeah, so is it beneficial? It was it? Yeah. You know, sometimes, but I think it pisses me off now more than ever that I'm, uh, yeah, I guess I'm going beyond the question. So a couple months ago. <laughs> well, now we see where this question came from. <laughs> yeah, no, no, actually, no, it came, I was just interested in, uh, less really, it came from, um, I was curious about you more than anything. I think I knew Bruce and Georgie's answer, but, you know, it was one of those areas that we uh, we we don't talk about a lot, right? And I thought, yeah, it'd be cool to, to just kind of get a, some insight into that. So that's kind of where it came from. How surprised would you have been if I said, yeah, I go to church like probably every second or third Sunday? Really surprised. As, as surprised as surprised as you would be if I told you I quit eating meat. <laughs> hey, Steve, yeah, your mother's you. Presbyterian. So she ha- she eats a lot of fish. <laughs> <laughs> that's my jo- that's my religious joke. <laughs> Pomegranate. <laughs> I want to tell one story about Mr. DeGroote. That is my favorite, least favorite story because he was so opposite of my dad. So I used to eat over at Steve's and Dave's a lot and uh, four boys with four more boys in the house because there'd be eight of us. And we'd usually do something terrible, uh, break something. 
and be disrespectful. And I just remember thinking that there's no way I could do this at 48 Hemlock. My mom would hit us with a wooden spoon. My dad would kick us out. But we were able to get away with so much at Steve's house. And then I'd sit at his house and Mr. DeGroote would bring out the Bible, whatever Bible. You have the King James Version, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 32 says, you shall rise before the gray-headed and honor the presence of an old man and fear your God. I am the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. And he would read yep. verse, chapter and verse, yep. usually along yep. the lines of, respecting your elders, how disappointed the father was with his children, a Cain and Abel type story, <laughs> and try to make us feel guilty. And I'd be like, wow, this is like a really oblique way to teach us a lesson because my dad, there'd be no way he'd be reading from a book to teach me a lesson. <laughs> Do you remember that, Steve? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. My dad, my dad read the... All the time, the guilt trip. <laughs> yeah, every twice, twice, like seriously, twice on Sundays, and every single like we we pray still every meal. We read the scriptures after every meal. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of people don't know that. And yeah, I mean, come on, which scripture? Which scripture isn't being read that doesn't make you feel guilty after <laughs> horsing around? Like, I mean, that's why the it's built. It's <laughs> it's built to, to keep us in line. You just just George, uh, sometime open up the Bible and just stick your finger in one of the pages, start reading it. You'll probably feel bad about yourself. <laughs> it would burn. The paper would burn. <laughs> yeah, your finger would burn. <laughs> So much to say on that one. Lester, you got anything else or do we or do we leave it there? No, I think we can leave it there. George is getting out of control. I'm going to have to kick him out of my office for a second. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> He's getting angry. <laughs> All right, boys, it's been a slice. Yeah, this is good. And uh, you guys have a great night. Love All you guys. Right. All right. See you guys. guys. See you guys. Ciao. Okay, bye-bye. This is your hometown. This is your hey, right on. You listened all the way to the end. Thanks for that. Rate, review us, send us a message somehow. We're on a bunch of social media. We're at Snow Day Pod. Thanks, too, to Shannon Bison, the secret weapon.